this is a day that's a, a good day to be, every day is a good day to be in the house of the Lord. This is a day that's exciting to be in the house of the Lord when we see young families committing themselves to the Lord and, and to raise their kids in uh, such a way that they prepare the path for their children to come to know Christ as their Savior. Let me just take a moment to clarify uh, theologically. Matt and I both talked about this beforehand. Um, in some church traditions, a time of baby dedication is, is considered as a, a step towards that child's personal journey of faith. In, in our Baptist understanding of, of theology, we know that the child has to make their own personal choice to follow Jesus as their Savior. But what we've done today is to take families and a church and together commit that we're going to do everything we can to create the right environment for that child to come to know Christ. And so church, I'm asking that you not only stand beside these families in the immediate days that follow, but that you're right there with them all the way through these children coming to a point that they make a personal faith decision asking Jesus to be their Savior. And we celebrate again you as a church the day that they are baptized in the baptistry as a, a public profession of their faith in Jesus. And so it's the beginning of a journey. It's not the end of the journey. But it's also not a, a component that sets, the, um, that, that sets in motion their personal faith. It sets the environment for their personal faith. And Matt said he would clarify that for you later if I've confused you. Uh, let me share with you a quick story from my own personal uh, life. I was a pastor of a church in a suburb of Dallas uh, for five years. And during that time is when uh, my younger three children were born and my older two were in grade school. And so uh, we had vacation Bible school. And I remember one summer, it was uh, 2005, I believe. It was the last summer that I was at that particular church. And we had vacation Bible school. And it was the year, um, I remember it as the year of the camel. Uh, for those of you that, that remember Vacation Bible School, it was the year that it was like an Indiana Jones theme or something. And, and I, I, remember it, I remember if we had a certain, here's what I remember about it. If we had a certain number of students come, then I would get awful close to the camel. Remember, you remember those kind of things? Um, my VBS director made me promise to kiss a camel, and, and I did. Um, because she did get the kids to VBS. But I remember that particular VBS because when we got to the night of sharing the gospel, you remember the gospel being the ABCs uh, that we talk about in Vacation Bibles, where you have to admit that, and you have to believe and you have to commit or confess, depending on which C you choose to use. And, and I remember sharing that with the children. They were gathered in our sanctuary. We had uh, chairs instead of pews, and all the chairs had been moved out of the way, and they were all gathered there on the floor. And I remember just feeling impressed with the Holy Spirit to not just define the gospel for these children, but present them with an opportunity to respond. And that particular night, my older two children raised their hand and said they wanted to ask Jesus to be their personal Lord and Savior. Now, you fast forward several years, and uh, I had changed ministry positions and went to Natchitoches and pastored a church and then to the association office. And during that time, those two girls were sitting out on the driveway with... A, my fourth child. And my fourth child began to ask those big questions. Now she was, this was 2012, so she was born in 2005. She was only seven years old, but she began to ask those big questions. What happens if the car 
starts rolling backwards down this hill and runs over me. What happens to me then? That was something along, I went out there, that was something along the lines of it. And my older two girls went through the same ABCs that they had been through and shared the gospel with their sister. And they came running inside the house that night to tell me that Jillian had prayed to receive Christ. And hit, hit that next slide for me, if you will. Uh, and I had the joy of baptizing her. And I love this picture because I love the look in her, her face as she looks up. And I'm asking her there, have you asked Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior? And she's responding, yes, I have. Now, I share that with you, number one, because I like to brag on my kids. But number two, to remind you that we are all in this together. We're all working towards because it wasn't that I personally led my daughter to her faith in Christ. I had the opportunity to present the gospel to her sisters and her sisters through Bible drill learned a gospel presentation that when she was asked, when she asked the same type of questions of what it takes to be saved, they knew how to answer, not because I had done some great job as a parent, but because our church had taught them how to share the gospel. It was a, a partnership between the home and the church that led to this child's time of salvation. And so I want to encourage you, church, as we talk about a baby dedication, yeah, we want to encourage these parents that they live the right life and they do the right things and they raise their kids in the right way. But we also, as the church, have a partnership with them to help them in that because it's through those Sunday school lessons that you teach them. Or I saw the boys in the RA badges and it's, it's through those RA times and GA times. It's through those other ministry times. Youth camp, children's camp. It's through vacation Bible school. It's through all of these things that you are partnering with this family to help raise these kids and get them to that point where they will pray to receive Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And so I want to share with you today on, on being dedicated to the Lord from the life of Samuel. And so if you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel, I've got the Scriptures, they'll be up on the screen as we go through them. And, and uh, I'm, I'm just going to hit, I'm, I'm going to be like that rock across the lake. I'm just going to skip across through the first seven chapters of, of Samuel and hit a few points for you that I want you to be able to go home and kind of chew on uh, those points a, a little bit later. And so when we think about Samuel being dedicated to the Lord, the first thing that I want us to think of is that Samuel was dedicated to the Lord by his parents. Let's look at, at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1. And, and I want to read to you uh, just a, a few excerpts from that. In chapter 1, verse 10, and again in verse 11. We're, well, let me, let me back up. I'm sorry. I jumped ahead of myself. So here we have a family. Hannah and Elkanah or Elkanah, depending on how you pronounce it. Hannah and Elkanah have, are trying to create their own space in the world as 1 Samuel opens. This is the time in the, the Israelite history. They don't have a king yet. They're, they still have judges who are judging over them, meaning they have these small areas that are working together and cooperating, and they have these small little uh, sub-political environments, but it's not like the United States. It's not a big united kingdom. It, it's just this cooperating venture of these tribes as they inhabit the promised land. And there's a, a time where, where it appears that, that God's not speaking as loudly to them as He did as He led them to, uh, through the wilderness into the promised land. And it's in that environment that, that Hannah and Elkanah are, are trying to raise a family. 
And, uh, and um, Hannah is unable to have children. And when we pick up in verse 10, she is, is greatly distressed because uh, Elkanah has another wife who is having children and, there, and there's a little bit of a lot of rivalry between the two of them. And in verse 10, it says this, she, that's Hannah, was greatly distressed and she prayed to the Lord and she wept bitterly. And she made a vow and she said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and a razor shall never come on his head. And then if we skip down to verse 20 of that same chapter, it came about in due time that Hannah, after Hannah had conceived, that she gave birth to a son and she named him Samuel saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. Literally, Samuel's name means one who is asked of the Lord. And so when we look at these verses, we see that Hannah prayed for her child. Now, parents, I want to encourage you and remind you that you need to pray for your children. Uh, you need to pray for them now. You need to pray for them tomorrow. You need to pray for them uh, tonight. You need to pray for them without ceasing. Uh, that, that as often as they come to your mind, you pray for them. And let me encourage you that not only when you pray for them, to pray for them, but when you pray for them, tell them that you prayed for them. Let them know that you're praying for them. When we look at Hannah's example, she, she makes a prominent point of saying, I have prayed for this child. I, I have asked the Lord of, uh, for this child, and He has granted my request, and I am going to continue to bathe this child in prayer. And so uh, Hannah prayed for her child. There's nothing that a parent can do uh, that behind the scenes. I think there's a lot of things we can do, but there's nothing we can do more behind the scenes than to pray for our child. We can try and provide financially for them. We can make sure there's food in the refrigerator. We can make sure that they go to the best schools. But parents, let me tell you, there's nothing more you can do for them than to pray for them and to, to continually put them before the Lord. And don't wait till they're in high school making those difficult decisions. Or wait until they're out on their own and you're, you're wondering if they're going to make it. Pray for them as Hannah did, even from day one. Secondly, I've got to move quickly to get through all this. Secondly, Hannah and Elkanah taught Samuel to worship the Lord. In verses 24 and verse 25, uh, we, we pick up the story again. And it says, now when she had weaned him, so he had grown old, he had been born, and he had grown to the point of being weaned. She took him up with her. Uh, and with a three-year-old bull and one uh, ephah of flour and a jug of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, although uh, the child was young. In verse 25, they slaughtered the bull, brought the boy to Eli, he is the, the priest at, in Shiloh, and she said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition which I asked of him, so I have also dedicated him to the Lord. And let's just stop for a moment and remember that Hannah and Elkanah taught Samuel to worship the Lord. They led him to Shiloh with a bull and with the flour, with the wine, all that was going to be needed to make an offering to the Lord. They came to the house of God prepared to give an offering back to the Lord in thanksgiving for what God had done in blessing them. Now, if we were to pull the story completely apart, we'd see that Elkanah went up early and Hannah waited to go up, but they both went to the house of the Lord with Samuel in order to teach him what it was to worship God. Parents, you've got to bring your children to church. 
I know there's times where, where we've got conflicts and we've got this going on and that going on and, and we think, well, the easiest thing is just to drop them at the church and I'll go do this and I'll pick them up when church is over. And parent, you need to bring your child to church. Don't let today be the only day that you're here with them. You, you bring them to church every week. You teach them what it is to be a responsible church member. To, uh, to go back to the old envelope system that some of our churches uh, have gone away from, some still use, but the envelope system, did you bring your Bible? Did you read your lesson? Did you bring your offering? Did, go through those checks with your child to teach them what it is to be a church member. Don't just say, well, the church committed, they're going to raise that child for me at church. I can just drop them off and I don't have to do anymore. No, you've got to bring them. You've got to be an active participant in their faith journey. And Hannah and Elkanah taught Samuel to worship the Lord. And then where, we, where I left off in the story in verse 28, uh, Hannah says, So I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated. And he worshiped the Lord there. And then if we were to, to uh, flip over to verse 11 of chapter 2 and pick up, Elkanah went to his home at Ramah, but the boy ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. Hannah and Elkanah gave Samuel back to the Lord. The, the word dedicated in, at the end of chapter 1 is actually a word of, of giving back or lending back, presenting back the boy to God. So it wasn't... Now, now here, try to imagine what Hannah was going through. Hannah was so distraught that she didn't have any children and she prayed and said, Lord, if You will just give me one child, a son, I will give him back to You. Now, when she says she's going to give him back to him, she describes that she's going to send him back as a Nazarene, that she, as a Nazarite, that she's going to take the Nazarite vow and he's going to be dedicated to the Lord to serve the Lord. But what that means is, she says, not only God, I want You to give me a child, but I am so trusting that this is going to be of You that I'm going to put him in the temple and I will go visit him in the temple, but, but he will be yours. Now, it may sound contradictory to the point I said a moment ago where you take them to church. But in today's modern society, Brother Matt doesn't want a mentor, uh, a men, you know, somebody to mentor at the age of 24 months. Okay? He, he doesn't need somebody up here at the church that he's got to care for. In our modern society, it's a little bit different. But parents, you can still give your child over to the Lord's will and say, God, help me to raise this child as you would have them, and I will let them serve you as you direct. Now, for me, I've got five girls. I can give up one. But for you, no, I love all my girls. And my middle, middle child is named Abigail, and the name Abigail literally means my father's joy. And she is such a sweet child. She's just turned 17 this past week. She's the same age as Justin. And, and so she just turned 17 this past week. And, and uh, but Abigail has told us God's called her to a unique ministry. And she thinks God wants her to, to possibly be a teacher or maybe a counselor of some kind. But not here in the States. She believes God's calling her somewhere overseas. Now, here's the thing. As a, as a parent, there's a part of me that, that gets excited to think, well, God's doing something big in my daughter's life. But there's a selfish side that says, but God, I don't want her to go too far. And then there's the spiritual side where I have to say, but Lord, not my will, Yours be done. And if You want my child to go, I'm trusting You to protect her and take care of her and to guide her. And God, I want her to be obedient to You. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I can tell you that it's a hard prayer to pray. And it's one that we all have to pray. Even if it means the child's going to move next door to us and work in town, 
and never be far beyond our sight, we still have to be willing to give them up to the Lord and say, Lord, whatever you have for them, I want your will in their life more than I want my will in their life. Hannah and Elkanah gave Samuel back to the Lord. Secondly, not only did, uh, was Samuel dedicated to the Lord because of his parents and their actions, but Samuel was dedicated to the Lord through Eli. If we look at, again at verse 11 of chapter 2, it says that, uh, that uh, Elkanah went home to Ramah, but the boy ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest there in Shiloh. They, he stayed there with him. And then if we skipped over to chapter 3, uh, it's kind of a long section of chapter 3, but bear with me as we read the first ten verses. The boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. And it happened at that time as Eli was lying down in his place. Now his eyesight had begun to grow dim and he could not see well. Meaning Eli is getting advanced in age. And the lamp of God had not yet gone. Boy, that's a good, good phrase right there. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. But it was getting dim. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord before the ark of, uh, of God. So remember that the ark of God symbolized the, the physical place of God. The mercy seat that was fashioned on the top of the ark of the covenant was, was deemed by the Israelites to be where God Himself was seated. And so Samuel is there, um, separated by a veil most likely, but there in front of the ark. And the Lord called Samuel. And He said, here I am. In verse 5, then He ran to Eli and He said, here I am for you called me. But He said, I did not call you. Lie down again. And so he went and he lay down. In verse 6, the Lord yet called again, Samuel. So Samuel rose and he went to Eli and he said, Here I am, you called for me. But he answered, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. In verse 7, so Samuel did, uh, did not yet, excuse me, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord been revealed to him. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time. And he arose and he went to Eli and he said, Here I am, for you called me. Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down. It shall be if he calls you that you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. In verse 10, the Lord, Then the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Let me give you a couple of thoughts from, from this passage. I, I told Brother Matt, I said, if, if I were pastoring a local church, I'd make a series out of this because I feel like I'm just hitting the top of these, these points. But the church has a role in this commitment that we've made this morning. The church has a, a role to help in this dedication. And so Hannah and Elkanah had charted a spiritual course for Samuel through the ministry of Eli and the corporate worship. We saw in verse 11 that they left him there at the temple uh, in Shiloh. And then when we pick up in verse 1, he was ministering to the Lord before Eli. They had said, we are going to chart a course for our child and it's going to involve the priest Eli. That was their place of worship. It was where they had gone uh, themselves to worship. And they decided that was the best place for their child to worship. Now parent, you, you need to chart that course for your child. Now, I know there are lots of options we have for our spiritual life. There, there are apps on our phone. There's, there's things we can watch on on YouTube, there's things that we can watch on the computer or on the TV. There, there's other places of worship that we can go to. But parent, you need to help chart the course for your child with what God has done through your life and spoken to you. 
And if He's brought you to unite you with this church, then you want to bring your child to this church. And if this church doesn't have the ministry that you want for your child, maybe God's speaking to you to start that ministry so that other children will have that same benefit. And so parent, I want to remind you in church, I want to remind you that these parents in our story today, Hannah and Elkanah, they, they sought out, Lord, where do we take our child? And they took him to Eli. And Eli had a place of prominence in their life. Your child, parents, needs to have a place of prominence in this church. This church is the place of prominence in their spiritual life. And church, you've got to realize you, you, you've got to work at it. We'd love to think that children are going to naturally flock to every church on Sunday morning. We'd love to think that we don't have to provide anything for them. We don't have to do anything. They'll just come because their parents will bring them. Well, some will. But church, I want to encourage you to be actively involved in providing all the resources necessary for these parents to raise their children up. And that means not only providing resources physically, but providing mentoring to these families, providing uh, insight when they have questions, providing teachers for their students in various age groups and classes, and that you would commit to doing all you can for them. And the second aspect of this is that Eli was active and attentive to the spiritual activity in Samuel's life. It's not just that, that Eli opened the door and said, okay, Samuel, you go over there. Uh, there's a flannel board over there and you, you figure out how to put the puzzle pieces together and tell your Bible story and I'm going to sit over here and drink my cup of coffee. That's not what Eli did. Now, Eli, we see the honesty here. Eli had reached a, a place where he was advanced in age. It was bedtime and he really didn't want to be bothered. And that's why Samuel had to go three different times in there to say, you're calling me, you're calling me. And the third time, Eli finally, oh, I'm not calling. The only other person here is the Lord. He's sitting on the mercy seat, so it must be he that's calling. But Eli discerned that God was working in the life of Samuel, and he began to teach Samuel in that moment. Church, we've got a responsibility to be looking for those times when God is working in the life of these children and you are committing yourselves today that we're going to do our best to be looking for those opportunities. And as I ask those families to joyfully lay hold of the opportunity to present the gospel at the right time, that you as a church joyfully also take hold of that opportunity to present the gospel, whether it's in Sunday school, in a small group, in vacation Bible school, at youth camp, at an RA camp out, at a GA meeting, wherever it is that you look for those opportunities and be attentive to the spiritual activity in these children's lives. And so there's a responsibility of the parents. They dedicate Samuel. Then we see the responsibility of Eli as he is there in Samuel's life and coaching him and mentoring him and teaching him. But it's not enough to just set the environment. It comes back to a personal responsibility. Samuel was dedicated to the Lord personally. He made his own choice. If we look at verse 10 that we just read, the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Samuel responded personally to the Lord's voice. He, he didn't just rely on what Eli had heard. He didn't just rely on what others had uh, told him. He didn't just rely on his parents. He came to a point where he made his own personal response to the Lord. The Lord called him by name and he said, here I am. It takes a point of personal responsibility. And secondly, Samuel grew in his personal maturity. In verse 19 of chapter 3, 
Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fail. And I want you to see that Samuel was growing in his faith. So he made a personal response to the Lord when he heard the Lord's voice. And secondly, he grew in the Lord. He began to study the Bible, or the Scriptures as they had them of the Old Testament uh, Torah. He began to listen to the words of Eli as Eli the priest would minister to the families that would come and worship. He began to learn all of that Leviticus law code of what to offer as a sacrifice. All of that is encompassed when we understand that Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. And so Samuel had to make that personal choice and then he had to continue to grow in the Lord. Church, I think many times we, we want to say, well, we set the right environment. We've got a great nursery. We've got a great VBS. We've got a great children's ministry. We've got a great preacher. We've done all that we need to do as a church. Parents, sometimes we come back to it and we say, well, we get the kids to church uh, almost every week or every week. We get them to every activity. We make sure that uh, they've got what they need at home. We, we buy them a Bible every year for Christmas. We, we take care of them. But they've got to make that personal decision. We've got to be doing all we can to encourage them to make that personal decision and then encourage them to grow in the Lord. And the third thing, Samuel personally experienced the favor of the Lord. Verse 19, it says, The Lord was with him, and none of his words would fail. And all of Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. Samuel experienced the favor of the Lord. I think if there's any one thing that I as a parent want for my kids more than anything else, I want them to experience the favor of God. I want them to know what it's like to... to have their Heavenly Father look upon their life and to look upon it with favor. Not just favor from the standpoint that they're being obedient and so therefore they're not experiencing the curses of disobedience, but I want them to enjoy the favor of our Lord, which is when we live in obedience and we begin to experience a greater number of His blessings because He just says, I can trust you with a little, so I can trust you with a lot. And He continues to bless our lives. Not financially, materially, but with the understanding that God's hand is upon us. Sometimes that's just as simple as, as all of the red lights lining up when you go through Natchitoches. And you say, the Lord's hand was with me. And sometimes it's just those unmistakable times where there's no way to explain it, but obviously God was involved. And don't you want that for your child? Them to experience the favor of of the Lord. Samuel experienced that because Eli did his part. His parents did their part. But Samuel experienced it because Samuel dedicated himself to the Lord. You say, how, how do you know that? Well, look at verse uh, 21. It says, The Lord appeared again, it's chapter 3, at Shiloh. Remember how the lamp had not yet gone out, but things were getting dim? The Lord appeared again at Shiloh began to brighten up again because the Lord revealed Himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the Word of the Lord. That's a lot of the Lord in one verse, isn't it? The Lord appeared again because the Lord revealed Himself by the Word of the Lord. Samuel was serving the Lord. Flip over to chapter 7. I know it's a long way over. A couple more pages. But chapter 7... Uh, a lot takes place in 5 and 6, but we don't have, before 5 and 6, we don't have time to go into it. But in chapter 7, the Philistines have attacked the, the, uh, the uh, people of God and they took the Ark of the Covenant, they bring the Ark of the Covenant back because they don't want to have the curses of disobedience uh, with it. And then we pick up in verse 15 
uh, in this story. And it tells us a, just a little uh, caveat, a little, little side story glimpse into Samuel's life in verse 15. Now Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life, and he used to go annually on a circuit to Bethel, to Gilgal, to Mizpah, and he judged Israel in those places. And then his return was to Ramah, for his house was there. And there he judged Israel, and he built an altar to the Lord. Samuel was active in the ministry of the Lord. He didn't just say, okay, I'm going to sit back and, and I'll do the bare minimum. When we read of what he did in his life, he used that opportunity to be obedient to God wherever that would take him. If that meant that he had to make it, it says made a circuit, he made a round, and he was judging, he was uh, helping settle disputes, he was giving uh, spiritual advice, he was leading the, the people. They would come to him, they knew God spoke to him, that he was a prophet, that he, he would speak only the words of God, and he would, would tell them what God would have them to do, and they, they lined up for him to come to their place to hear, and Samuel personally served the Lord. Now, again, I think for us as parents, one of our great joys is that we want to be able to say our children are serving the Lord. We want to say that our children are experiencing the favor of God. We want to be, say, be able to say that our children are dedicated to the Lord. Now, it would be easy to step back and say, well, we've got a certificate. We can prove that our child is dedicated to the Lord. But that's only one part of the puzzle. We could say, well, the church is set up and doing the things that would help uh, raise a child in the fear and admonition of the Lord and providing the ministries to help them to, in their faith journey that they would come to a place of accepting Jesus as their Savior. A pastor preaches the Gospel. That's enough. That's only one part of the puzzle. It takes a personal response. It's like this stool up here that, that uh, they used to play the drums. I'd move it, but I'm afraid I would, would mess something up. But that stool's got three legs to that stool. Now, this, this young man's talented. He could probably play it on, on two legs. On one, he'd, he'd, he'd have to bobble a little bit. But if I were to try and sit on that stool right now with three legs, I could sit on it. But if there were only two... I'd be real wobbly and probably fall. And if there were only one, I would definitely fall. In church, if we want to see these children grow up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, it takes all three of these things working in concert together. It, it takes the, the parents doing their part of dedicating their child. And as we went through that dedication, you remember some of those phrases that were in there. We're going to commit our home to be a place where the Lord is taught. And we're going to honor God in the way that we live our lives. We're going to speak well of the church. Did you catch that one? We're going to grow up, or we're going to raise up our child in such a way that they will hear the good of the family of God. It takes the family setting one, one leg of the stool, the other is the church. A good, godly family can do all that they can, but they need the help of a local church to provide the ministries and the resources and, and the reinforcements. Those of you who have teenagers, you know what I mean by that. Provide the reinforcements that we're not out there on, on, on the front lines on our own. We need that second leg of the church and its ministry. And then it has to be that child's personal 
decision. I wouldn't want to be guilty of hitting the snooze button when a child comes to me and says, is the Lord working in my life? Because I know that child's got to make their own decision. The church here today, you may be here today and say, well, I need to make my own personal decision. You can commit yourselves to being a part of a church, but it takes that personal dedication that I'm going to listen to the Lord's voice and I'm going to do what the Lord would have me to do in order for each of us to be where God wants us to be. And so today, I want to take, just take a little bit of a twist at the end of our time this morning. Church, I've asked you already, and you said you would commit to raise, help raise these kids. Parents, I've, I've spoken to you, and you've committed to help raise these kids. And these children are too young to make their own personal decisions today. But there are some here in this room who need to make a personal decision. A personal decision to follow Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And so if you're here today, I want to remind you that the Gospel is available to every one of us if we will simply turn to Jesus and say, I need you. I don't know what you're going through in your life today. You may be struggling with raising kids. You may be struggling with an empty nest. You may be struggling with waiting for the nest to fill. But God can meet you at your point of need. And the Bible reminds us that if we will simply come to Him, that He will come to us and He will receive us unto Himself. And so today, if you're here and you've not ever made a personal commitment of dedicating your own life to Jesus, then in a moment, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation and Brother Matt's going to be standing down front. And I encourage you to make your own personal commitment that you would dedicate yourself to the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for Your love. We thank You for these families and this church. And God, I ask that You would speak to our hearts in these next few moments. If there's one here today who needs to commit themselves to You, I pray, Father, they would. In Jesus' name, Amen.